Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Well, I want to preach. I'm going to preach um, a message. We've been moving this morning. I'll preach this morning, moving through a story um, that, that we sort of picked up in, in, in 1 Kings. Um, and, and I'm going to carry on with it again now in 2 Kings. Um, and it's the story uh, that we know of as being the story of the um, Elijah and Elisha. And, and the reason, you know, we're, uh, I'm preaching on this all day. I really felt in my heart coming into this Sunday, I knew I was going to preach all day. And I really felt in my heart this was something for us as a church right now that we are about to step into. If you know the story, it's, I'm going to preach on the story of, of, of the double portion anointing. And I believe that this church, and we have experienced God do awesome things. But how many believe that the best is yet to come? And, and what I want you to understand is when we talk about, when we talk about a double portion, when we talk about double portion, and I want to recap real quickly this morning so we can pick it up again. But when we talk about a double portion, it's, it's speaking of overflow in your life, in every, every area of your life. When we talk of overflow, often we talk about it in regard to financial blessing. It's not just limited to that, although I believe that that is for us as well as a church. But I'm talking about a double portion. I'm talking about a level of overflow that is more than you can handle yourself. I'm talking about a double portion anointing that comes upon you that gives you the anointing to break through strongholds in your own life, to break things off your life and the lives of people around you. I'm talking about a a double portion. The Bible says that when the double portion came upon Elisha, the first thing Elisha did was he went and healed the waters of a city. It will be a double portion that God will pour out upon your life that won't just touch you, but it'll touch those around you. When we talk about double portion, I like to think of it as like going to Starbucks and getting a double shot. It's a little, you know what I mean? It's a little bit extra. Any double shot people there, any triple shot, if you're me... And uh, you know, I believe believe Starbucks is demonic. But if you're if you're a if you're a if you're a uh, if you have to go to Starbucks, I'm a quad shot person. Any quad shot people, you're the people that have been at church. This is your third time today because you're still rolling on your quad shot from this morning. But it's it's a it's a double shot. It's 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 an extra. But you have to understand when we talk about the double portion. In, in Scripture, when Elisha asked for a double portion, he wasn't asking for something. He was what he was doing when he said to Elijah, I want a double portion of your anointing. Elisha was putting himself in the place of really the firstborn. Because it meant, back in the day, it meant that the double portion was only made available to the firstborn son. And what we have to understand is when we talk about a double portion in regard to the things of the Spirit and in regard to your life, that if you truly believe like what we just sang about in that song, that you are a son or a daughter, then a double portion is your right because of your inheritance in who you are as a son or daughter of God. 
You may feel like you don't deserve it because of your past. You may feel like you're not educated enough. You may feel like you don't know enough Scripture. You may feel like you haven't been in church long enough. Regardless of what you feel, your position in Christ never changes. Because the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, the Bible says that you are seated with Him in heavenly places. You step into a, a position of a son or daughter in the Kingdom of God. Therefore, if you want to take it up and you want to take a hold of it, a double portion is your right. And we talked about this story and, and real quickly the story, because I'm going to pick it up and read in 2 Kings chapter 2. But prior to this, Elijah ran up to Elisha and threw the mantle upon Elisha. It was a sign of things to come. And Elisha's response to it was to run after the anointing and to chase after the things of God. He got a taste of it with the mantle, but he said, a taste is not what I want. I want the whole thing. So he ran this dude down. Wherever he went, he went. When he stopped, he stopped. When he said stay, he wouldn't stay. He just kept going with him. He made a decision. You know what? I want this double portion. And he chases him down. And it comes to this spot in 2 Kings chapter 2. And it'll come up on the screen. And it says in chapter 2, And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel or Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the son of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. Then he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elisha said to him, Then Elijah, sorry, said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me onto the Jordan. But now he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. They come up to the Jordan for sake of time. Elijah rolls up his mantle, touches the Jordan. The Jordan opens. When they cross to the other side, Elijah says to Elisha, he says, what can I do for you? He says, what do you want? And this is the moment where Elisha looks at Elijah and says, I want a double portion. And the Bible says, and you can look at it later, but the Bible says that Elisha, Elijah said to Elisha, when I get taken up, when, 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 when the chariots of fire and the horse and chariots of fire come and the Bible says Elijah was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind of fire. He says, when that happens, if you are there, if you are positioned beside me and get to see that happen, then when that happens, a double portion of my anointing will fall upon you. And that's what happened in the story. And Elisha went from there and he carried a double portion of the anointing. And I really believe for us and for a church, as a church corporately, and I believe for your life, for your family, for your marriage, for your business, this is what God wants to pour out upon our life. He wants to pour out a double anointing upon us. Double what you've seen before. Double the miracles. Double the breakthrough. Double the freedom. Double the blessing. But understand this, in this story, whether he walked in it or not, was all determined by the position he put himself in. Elijah said to him, if you want it, 
If you want it, you'll be here. And then what happens is he goes on this journey as we just read. And, and through that, that journey, we see that, that every place that he went, Elijah is staying with Elisha. He makes a decision, I'm not leaving. And so they go to this place called Gilgal. And at Gilgal, Elisha's there. You know, he looks up to Elijah. And he trusts Elijah and, he, and he's, he's learning from Elijah and he, he hangs off every word and they get to Gilgal and Elijah says to Elisha, stay here, you're done. I don't need you anymore. I'm out of here. And Elisha wants that double portion so bad that he says, you know what? I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying with you. And this happens three times. In three different places. It's the, the testing of Elisha. It's the testing of Elisha through this journey and through this process. And I believe we can learn something from this as a church because I believe that in one of these three journeys and one of these three places is where people get hung up and miss out on being in the right place to receive the double portion. The number three is very significant in Scripture. It speaks of, of a few things. It speaks, one of the things it speaks of, it speaks of completeness. But the number three also speaks of the, the changing of a season or the stepping in to something new. Jesus was tempted three times before His ministry began. On the third hour, Jesus hung on the cross. At 3pm, Jesus died on the cross saying, it is finished, marking the finish of a season and the beginning of something else. The number three is very significant. In Matthew 7, 7, we're told to ask, to seek and to knock. Mary visited Elizabeth for three months before she gave birth to Jesus. You can go throughout Scripture. It's all throughout Scripture. We know that obviously the three people, the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Three is very significant in the Bible. Therefore, I think it's super significant that Elisha, before he steps into double portion, he goes through three tests in three different places. And I want to show you the first one real quickly. Are you with me? You sure? You still with me? Good. Okay, the first place I want to show you is this place called Gilgal. They come to this place called Gilgal. And you'll remember Gilgal, if you've read it before, Gilgal is in the story of Joshua. Gilgal, in, in, in Joshua chapter 5, Gilgal is where Joshua brings the Israelites as they come. And what happens is they've come out of Egypt. And what happens is they come to this place of Gilgal and it's in a place, it's in the place of Gilgal where God says to Joshua, I want you to research, I want you to circumcise this next generation. And what happens in Gilgal, and let's go there real quickly, it's in Joshua 5. We're going to be all over the Bible a little bit, but I promise you we're going to land somewhere good. We always do, it's the Bible. And God says in, in chapter five, uh, five, let's look at verse five, for all the people who came out had been circumcised by all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. Further down then, so God speaks to them and says, I want you to circumcise them. And then once he had circumcised them in verse nine, it says, then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. The word Gilgal actually means a wheel or to roll. 
That's what it represented. What it means is this place of Gilgal, I believe, speaks to us as a place of separation. It's a place of cutting away the old to step into the new. Gilgal represented a place of separating from the old of what they knew. Gilgal represented this place and this test that Elisha had to go through. If you want to position yourself to a place of receiving the double portion, there has to be a process that you go through of cutting away from the old. Cutting away of the flesh, cutting away and breaking away of what you've known before in the past. This was where it was significant for them. And God's saying to them, if you want to step into what I have for you, you've got to cut away and break away from the old patterns. Too many people miss what I believe for their life is the double portion anointing for their life because they want to hold on to their old life and their old way of doing things. The Bible says that we need to flee. It says flee from what's evil and cling to what is good. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is Christ, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Too many people, they want to receive a double portion, but they don't want to let go of their past. They still want to walk in the way of their past and they want to receive the double portion. You can't have both. In fact, the Bible calls that being lukewarm. We want to keep a little bit of the world to keep, this side happy just to step into a little bit of a little bit of God double portion to keep this side happy and we get torn in the middle but God was saying and Elijah was saying to Elisha if you want to step into the double portion you got to cut away there's got to be a separation that takes place a breaking off a ridding of the old nature a ridding of the old place we've got to make a decision to cut off everything that's going to try and hold us back and keep us in that old place of Egypt where they had come from in the story of Joshua in 2 Corinthians 6:17 he says therefore come out from among them and be separate says the lord do not touch what is unclean and i will receive you I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We're going to make a decision. There are things that we're not going to do. There are places we're not going to go. We've got to understand. And what happens is the problem is, is we as a church, we've swung because we've seen this type of living before and they called it legalism. And so now what we've do is we've swung into the grace season and, and greasy grace where we say, listen, it's okay. It's all under grace. It's all okay. No, no, no. You got, let me tell you the difference between legalism and holiness. Legalism is choosing not to do things because of the law. Holiness is choosing not to do things because of love. Do you see the difference? You are motivated. It's what's motivating you. The Lord doesn't motivate me not to do things. It's my love for my Saviour Jesus Christ that hung on a cross for me and died for the very things people are trying to get me to do. We have to ask ourselves, are we cutting away from the old? Or are we still trying to fit the old into the new? You can't take it with you. Cut it off. Cut it away. Don't let it hold you back. It's a stepping in. It's a new season. There's a new level. And I believe God is speaking to people about stepping in. It's a speaking of a new level of maturity in the things of God. 
You can't take that where God's calling you to go. You can't take those old patterns, those old way of doing things, that old lifestyle. You've got to make a decision to cut it off. Say, I'm done with this. I remember the first time, I remember when Jesus saved me. I remember getting a revelation of that. I remember my buddies, I was, at, I was actually at the youth pastor's house of the church. I got saved. I made a decision. I remember just getting around. I remember I was like that dude that would never leave. I'd just get to their house and because I just made a decision, I had to get around some good people in my life. I remember my buddies ringing me and they were at a nightclub in Melbourne and they rang me and like, where are you? Why are you not coming here? I remember standing there and no one told me, no one told me not to go. I just knew I couldn't go. And I said, bro, I, said, I just literally said to him, dude, I'm not coming. And he says to me, what do you mean you're not coming? We're here, we're waiting for you. So-and-so's here, they're here. So everyone's here, man. What are you doing? I said, I'm not coming. He said, why are you not coming? And I just, I'll never forget, I'm standing, it was the most awkward phone call. I'm standing there and I said, I don't know. Because I mean, I wanted to lie, but then I thought I just got saved, so I can't do that. So I just stood there outside this house in the dark and I said, I don't know. He said, are you drunk? I said, no. I'm sober as a nun standing outside the house saying, I can't, I'm not coming. I don't want to be there. I just don't want to be there. I love you. I love all them. Tell everyone I said, hey, we'll hang out later, but I'm not going there because there's something that God has brought me out of. And I'm saying, I don't want to go back there because God has set me free from there. And hear me, I'm not saying, listen, you take, I'm not saying nightclubs. I'm not saying, listen, you've got to take it and you've got to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. But I am saying you this, don't put yourself in an atmosphere that sets yourself up to fail. You have dudes that go in there and say, well, it's fine. It's not touching me. It's not, stay there long enough. Eventually it will. The difference between what people do is they say, well, I want to go there to witness. I want to go there to witness. Get my witness, witness. Listen, let me tell you the difference. They say Jesus hung out with the sinners. He did, but He hung out and changed them. If you go to the club, I'll tell you this right now. If you go to the nightclub and you walk in there and people are set free and the blind see and a revelation of Jesus Christ hits that place. Ring me, we're going, I'm coming, I'll be with you next week. Let's go get that place saved. But if you're walking in there and the club, you're not changing the club, the club is changing you, there needs to be a cutting off. You gotta get away from there. You gotta get around the right people, get the right people in your life, build some strength and then God will call you. And what God will do is that they'll follow you eventually. They'll come back. I, so I said last week about a buddy of mine that texted me. I forget what service. I said in this service, I had a buddy that we used to party with in club. This guy was crazy, crazy. He, he, he made unsaved people look saved. Do you know what I'm talking about? He texted me last week, two weeks ago though, two weeks ago. I'm with Caressa. I could tell you, I could tell you stuff about this guy. Freak you out. Texted me last week, look at this. Just made a decision to receive JC in my heart. Can't talk right now. Got to go to Bible class at the church up the street. We'll call you later. I'm looking at this like, what? 
Chase C in your heart, can't talk now, got to go to Bible class. Listen, church, I'm telling you, if you make a decision to separate yourself, what God will do is it will speak and it'll be a witness to those you just separated from. You were doing your unsafe friends. No, you were doing them no a disservice if you hang around them because you represent a wrong representation of what is the heart of Jesus. You've got to stand out. You've got to separate yourself. It's a maturing. Paul put it like this. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. He says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. This is what I'm talking about. It's talking about going through this season of maturing in God. Cutting away, step going from milk to meat. Going, it speaks of a growth. I've said it before, the difference between milk and meat. When it talks about milk, it's talking about the way a woman will breastfeed a newborn baby. And what's that baby doing? That baby is feeding off, off the nourishment and the nutrients of the food that the woman's eaten. She's getting, the baby's living off secondhand revelation. But when you go from milk to meat, no longer are you going from what someone else has fed you. Now you're getting, you're knowing how to feed yourself. Now you've stepped into a new level. It's a growth thing that has to happen in our lives and we've got to go through. It sets you up for a double portion. If you do not learn to separate, separate from the things of the world, you won't walk in what God has for you. I tried to do it for years. Tried to hang on to this lifestyle and still walk in this. There's got to be a cutting off. Gilgal was a place of separation. The next thing that happens, he goes through the first test in Gilgal. The first test was that test of separation. The second, real quickly, they come to a place called Bethel or Bethel. The word Bethel means the house of God. Bethel is the story that we read about in Genesis 28. It's the story of where Jacob is running. He's running from his brother Esau. And the Bible says that Jacob lays down and Jacob lays down and he finds a rock and he puts his head on a rock. You know, you're having a bad day when you're laying down as a rock, as a pillow. Puts his head on a rock. And the Bible says that the Lord came and the Lord visited him there. And you look at this, I love the wording of this. It says, then Jacob rose early in the morning. This is where Jacob had the dream. Remember, he had the dream of the ladder going up and down between earth and heaven and the angels ascending and descending. And it says, and he was afraid and said, then Jacob rose early and took the stone that he put in his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. And Jacob made a vow saying, if God be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on. It says that when Jacob awoke earlier in verse 16, 28, Genesis 28, 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. What is Bethel? Bethel speaks of the first test, spoke of separation. But the second test he had to go through, it was a place of transformation. That's what it was. Bethel, it speaks of Bethel being this place of transformation is where Jacob went through a transformation. It's speaking of a place of encounter. This is what the house of God needs to be. 
The house of God, listen, we are in a dangerous place where the house of God stops becoming a place of encounter. It's a dangerous place for the church when the church becomes a place where we are entertained, but we don't encounter Him. It's a dangerous place where it becomes just a community, but there's no transformation that takes place. It's a dangerous place where it just becomes a, a family, but nothing's, there's no revelation being deposited in my heart. I'm walking away the same every week. The house of God, it needs to be a place. In fact, the Bible says in Amos 5, verse 4 to 5, it says, For this, for thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel. You understand what he's saying there? He says, Seek me, but don't seek Bethel. Because what they had done is Bethel, they had turned Bethel, they had turned the place into a place where they would, they would do the feast of the tabernacle there. And it became that, it became a place of, of feast, a place of entertainment, a place of partying and the church, Bethel, the house of God had changed. And that's what he's saying through it. He said, listen, stop, stop with all this. You're, just, you're starting to just show up to church just to do church. He says, stop with all this. You just started showing up at Easter and you just start showing up at Christmas and you just start showing up on Mother's Day. You've turned the place into a place of just being entertained surrounding the right time of year or the right celebration. You see what he's saying? He says, don't seek that. You've got to seek me. You've got to seek it as not a place of celebration, but the church needs to be a place of transformation. See, the first test was all about separation. That was about them getting out of Egypt. But the second test is a test of transformation. That's when it's about Egypt getting out of you. When you start going through a transformation and you allow the Holy Spirit to get down in your life and begin to work in your life and you get in service and you get in prayer meetings and you get the right people around you and you get full of the Word of God, the, God, the, the Word of God begins to come in and transform us. We are transformed what? By the renewing of our mind. If you want to step up and step into the double portion anointing, you've got to go through separation and then you've got to go through transformation. Transformation won't take place unless separation has taken place. Transformation takes time getting in the presence of God. Transformation. Jacob visited the place again in Genesis 35. In fact, when he went here, he was facing people who were out to kill him. In Genesis 35, they're out to kill him and he, and he escapes there again. And he goes through another time of transformation so much so that that's where God speaks to him and changes his name. And he speaks to him and he changes his name. And he, he goes from being Jacob now to being Israel. Whenever God changed a name, it changed the course of the trajectory of their life. Same thing happened when Abram became Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. He spoke to Abram when Abram became Abraham and he said, you will now become the father of many nations. There was a transformation that took place. If we want to get set up for the double portion anointing, we've got to go through a season of transformation. It prepares you for where God, what God wants to pour out on your life. And the last thing real quickly, are you still with me? 
The last thing is the last place is they go through a place. They go through Jericho. He gets to Jericho. And the same thing happened. Elijah, Elijah, Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. The third test was Jericho. We know Jericho in Scripture. In Joshua 6, it talks about Jericho. Jericho, what was Jericho? Jericho was the city. It was the first city that they had to conquer in the promised land. Jericho was a battle. Jericho represented a fight. What, 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 I believe this, this fight and this fight Jericho, it was over. It was significant for them because winning the battle of Jericho, conquering Jericho, that spoke to them of occupying land and occupying territory. The third stage, I believe, the first stage is that stage of separation. The second stage is the stage of transformation. And the third stage is the stage of occupation. Knowing what it is to actually take and occupy new ground in your life. And how do you occupy new ground? It's a fight. If you want God to pour out a double portion upon your life, you're going to have to know how to fight in the Spirit. You're going to have to know how to just roll up your sleeves and just do good old-fashioned, knock-down, drag-out warfare. You're going to have to know what it is to fight all hell to get what you know God has called you to walk in. You're going to have to know what it is to get on your knees before God and wrestle and say, God, I'm not leaving until you bless me. You're going to have to know what it is to get a strategy from heaven and lock yourself in a room and say, I'm not coming out until God gives me a strategy, until I get a victory. You're going to have to know what it is to occupy some land and know how to fight. Because if you don't understand that, you better know that if you expect that you're going to walk in a double portion and the enemy's just going to let you have that, you are kidding yourself. You're living in fairyland. You've got to understand that the Bible says that heaven suffers violent and the violence take it by force. We've got to make a decision. You know what? God has great things for me and I'm not going to sit back and just wait for it to float in the window and land on my lap. I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to fight for it. Look at what Joshua had to do when he came to fight. God spoke to Joshua in 5.13, Joshua 5.13, as it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand and Joshua said to him, you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, no, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him. And so what does my Lord say to his servant and the commander of the Lord's army? He said to Joshua, take your sandal off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. And Joshua did so. Then as you go into chapter six and you can look at it later. He comes to this place. Joshua, what he just had was he has this encounter. He has this encounter with God, an encounter with a man of God. And it's in this place of encounter where he gets a strategy. 
And then what he has to do is he has to have the faith to walk out the strategy. We know the strategy. He says, take the ark, take the presence, surround it with, with the soldiers, surround it with the priests and the trumpets and march around the city. Do it for seven days and on the seventh day shout. How do you fight to take victory? I wrote it down. The first thing, three quick things, how to fight to take victory. First place, the first place for victory begins at a place of encounter. If you're facing something in your life, you've got to get away. You've got to get in the presence of God and you've got to have an encounter with the living God. That's hard to do when you're going through something. It's hard to do when you're battling, when you're praying for a loved one, when you're doing spiritual warfare. You've got to get in the presence of God because the second thing that will happen is in the presence of God is in that place of prayer and that place of encounter. God will give you a strategy. But let me warn you, his strategy won't always make sense. You ever prayed that God would turn a situation around, perhaps with another family member and the strategy you got from God was to reach out and love them? Huh? Come on, that's not, what you want. That's not one you want to hear. I remember going through this situation. This dude was just a pain in the neck to say the least. And... Uh, I needed something to turn around. I'm praying. I said, Lord God, show me what to do. God, show me. God, thank me. God said, just call him. I'm like, awesome. I'm going to call him. I'll tell him what he's done. I'll give him, man. I'm winding up. You know, I'm ready to roll. God just said, just keep listening. Call him. Tell him you're proud of him. Tell him thank you for the example he's been. To, and I'm like, God, are you talking to the right person? Are you, in, you meant to be meeting the guy next door in a prayer time about some other issue? Because they call him, reach out. It's sometimes God will give you a strategy. I remember calling this guy and the moment I make the call, hey, bro, a nice weird, a nice random was just thinking of you, just want to let you know I love you. If I hurt you in any way, it's cool. And in a moment, it unlocks God will give you a strategy. Sometimes the way He fights, it's different. The weapons are different. Remember they thought Jesus, He's going to come. He's going to be the conqueror. He did it through kindness. They said He's going to bring victory. He's going to be lifted up. He will be lifted up on high. He's the King of kings, but He came Stoop down low, washing feet. He'll obliterate the Roman Empire. He came carrying grace and forgiveness. The strategy, when you get in the prayer place, He'll give you a strategy, but the strategy may not make sense. Joshua was a warrior. Joshua was a fighter. He didn't want to hear about yelling and screaming. Dude's not in the choir. He gets with God and he's ready to start swinging. It's like, let's do this. Let's go take some heads off. Let's get these guys. And God says, you know what? Get your trumpet players. Joshua's probably thinking, I'm going to get some trumpets. We'll start smacking heads with trumpets. Whatever we got to do, I'm ready to take a seat. No, no, no. Get your trumpets and I want you to walk around and then I want you to praise me. 
Come on, God will give you. Get in that place. You get in that prayer place. And you'd learn to tune in and hear the voice of God. God will give you a strategy. How do you take, listen, that's how we fight. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. What's the strategy? And then you've got to exercise the faith to walk out the strategy. And then it positioned him because he walked through all three places. He went through separation. He walked through transformation. He walked through occupation, knowing what it is to fight and occupy land. And then he was positioned to a place where Elijah turns. After Elijah said, I'm done with you, I don't need you anymore. He says, I'm staying with you. Done with you, don't need you anymore. Staying with you. Done with you, don't. Then he turns, says, right, what do you want? Elisha looks at him, says, I want double. He said, you've asked a big thing. If you're here when I go, double will hit you. And that's exactly what happened. God wants to pour out double on your life. But if you do not know what it is to walk through each one of these stages, you won't be positioned for that place to receive the double anointing. Right across this place, I want us to stand to our feet. I'm going to close. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.